Welcome to Interruptions Podcast, where we talk to individuals who have dealt with trauma and interruptions in their personal or professional life. Because of the interruptions, our guests have implemented a program or provided a service for individuals who are journeying through their who are journeying through the process of resilience. Kathy and I are passionate about our faith, social justice, and the effects on our lives and our community. During every episode, we talk about actionable advice that you can apply today to reinvent yourself and to find the courage to have faith in the midst of your interruption. We are your hosts. I am Reverend Odell. And I am Kathy Patton. And thank you for joining us. Tonight, we have three guests. Tamja Gray-Moore, which you have met before. She is a licensed clinical social worker. Reverend Garland Higgins and Laura McClan Williams. Yes. Welcome back, Tam. How are you? I am fine. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for having me once again. Well, you look beautiful. Oh, thank you. Oh, my <laughs> yes. God. You don't, you don't like to tell a Leo that. <laughs> um, I know not to tell you that. That's <laughs> So, Tam, you know that this is the second of our first series, and last week we were talking about uh, trauma and trying to move from trauma into action, especially since the holidays are moving up. Now, what I didn't know was that um, mental health disorders differ from holiday blues. How so, And, and what's the difference between that? So usually the holiday blues kind of correspond with this kind of seasonal affective disorder. So a lot of times um, depression overall can be, as you know, it can be um, anytime. And then there's that seasonal affective disorder that kind of happens as our um, clocks change Of course, it's like dark at 4.30. It's really true that we need sun and energy to revive us and get us happy. So unfortunately, our major holidays like Christmas, Thanksgiving happen also at this period when we have shorter daylight hours, which also contribute to the depression. Um, The thing to think about with the holiday season is there's ways to kind of bring in these, um, you know, limited light. We can bring those things into our home as well. They make sunlights as in, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but people can actually purchase a light that'll give them like rays of light and shine and and that's supposed to also help with the depression. Okay. Tam, is is depression hereditary? Does it disappear after a period of time? Or is it something that is a lifetime condition that we have to learn to adjust to? Oh, those are all good questions. So can it be hereditary? There are some studies that say they can be. Um, we, There has been studies of people, family members who their mom had a history of depression, then they have a history of depression. That's why if you ever do a psyche vow or have ever heard someone do one, the questions are always pertaining to the family. Um, History of depression, history of any psychological disorder because they can be hereditary. Also important to note is uh, histories of, we ask, um, has anyone in your family ever committed suicide? Because that gives Mm -hmm. a higher chance. That's like a risk behavior that we think can also be a risk for another family member. Okay. That's, that's interesting to know. It is. Today, Tam, this is our lucky 13 podcast and our, we're still on the second show of our first series 
called The Pursuit of Happiness. And again, Kathy and I really wanted to do this during the season to really help and to support people who were going through the holiday blues and help them to encourage them to acknowledge their feelings and to think creatively to find some type of happiness. And so while we were, as Kathy and I always plan our podcast, I have to tell you all a very quick story. And this is what we got on the, the topic about of sadness and depression. So because of COVID, you know, we didn't travel for Thanksgiving. And I woke up Thanksgiving morning feeling sad and I didn't understand why. And the thought of my daughter and I eating at the dining room table made me sad. And I wasn't depressed. I was just sad. And she's been telling me for the last two years that she doesn't like to eat at the kit- at the dining room table. Uh, you know, her dad's no longer there and her brother's not there. So the thought of her sitting at the table has memories for her, triggers. And it wasn't until this Thanksgiving day that I felt her sadness. So we had to eat. So I found two TV tables. I put them in front of the, the and we, we ate in the living room and on our TV tables, had a glass of wine, and we watched a funny movie that made us laugh. Yeah. And that's what we did. But I felt the sadness. So in talking to her, she opened up a little more this time about the the dining room table. So I said to her that I would sell the dining room table. I'll get a new one so that she could have, she can sit and eat with us. But I'm telling you, if I, if I, once I break down this perfectly good dining room table and get another one, if she doesn't eat at the table, I told her she's going to need a different prayer. Okay. (laughs) But I will sell the table, get another one, a different shape so that it doesn't have the same memories of looking at the empty chairs for her. Yeah. You know, um, what you said is common. This particular um, year, there has been more sadness around this holiday, of course, because people can't spend time with their families um, out of loss or also because of this COVID thing. There's isolation. People don't, it just doesn't feel the same. The sadness though is, is normal. The sadness is what you should be feeling at this time of year and what's going on, but that's different from depression. And I think people should understand that sadness and depression are two different things. We're supposed to feel sad. That's why we were given all these different moods and feelings and emotions. But to understand that there's ways to get out of them. There's ways to move on and do something different so that I'm not stuck in that sadness. And that's exactly what you and your daughter did. You came up with a different way to make this work and not feel that sadness and hopefully enjoy. I hope you enjoyed your meal. We did. We did. (laughs) We enjoyed the meal. Thank you. Tam, that's, that's really key. What you said, there's a difference between depression and sadness. I don't think people understand that there's a difference because I was feeling, I, you know, I think I was getting really stressed about Thanksgiving, having to deal with my daughter because she is used to being, she's very social and used to being around her family on the holidays. And for like the couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, while we're going over to aunties who happens to live on the same street with us, which is really difficult. Right. But they're an older couple. And so we didn't want to jeopardize that. We didn't want to jeopardize ourselves. Um, their, their children coming over and their grandchildren to, to my husband and I were enough. And so trying to get her to understand that because of COVID, no, we have to keep everybody safe. But she kept looking out the window and, you know, cause she can see their house from ours. And if she sees the family, their children coming over, then that, you know, she really, I was just really upset because I'm saying, is she feeling depressed or is she feeling sad? And kept asking me the questions, you know, can I go over there? And 
I just had to keep explaining to her, um, which, you know, when you're dealing with a child with autism, you have right. to be repetitive in your message. And so we tried to do something different and have a party and watch shows or do a pajama day just to keep her occupied. But for her, she's, I felt like she knew, you're just kidding me, because, um, you know, I, I still want to go, uh, but I'm going to cooperate with you because you're not going to let me go. But that's really hard. For me, it was, you know, stay in my pajamas all day. Okay, this is wonderful. But for her, it was a challenge and it was pulling at my heart that she wasn't able to share that time with family. Yeah, I'm sure. It had to be hard because it's hard for us. It was right. hard for all of us. Yes. So, and especially for Till, I mean, your daughter who, you know, it, it's supposed to be the way it's supposed to be. It's right. very concrete for her, I'm sure. And so now we're all changing things that we're used to doing. Um, I usually have a tree trimming party uh, where all my family come over and we trim the tree. And it was just me and um, my stepdaughter. And, and it just felt sad, like mm -hmm. you said, just sad and different. So I sent a picture of the tree to everyone. And, you know, they didn't get to hear me sing my Jill Scott songs. But, oh, you know, no. <laughs> Because that's what oh, I do. No. I trim the oh. tree and play Jill Scott. Oh, I'm so sad I missed that. And <laughs> oh, but yeah, so this is sad. It's a sad. I think it's yeah. sad for all of us. So, Odell, you have your own story. And then uh, the last podcast, I asked you, what do you do really when, because you are still experiencing your uh, aftermath of your own trauma, and yet we're in this season now, COVID-19, and as, as Tam shared, there's a difference between sadness and depression. And so as a minister, what do you do when disciples come to you for counseling in this type of situation? One of the things I've learned is what I look for. I just listen. We mm. sometimes, we really don't want a solution. We don't want to say, oh, and people always try to solve your problems. You know, if I have memory loss or something and something's really bothering me and they'll try, oh, I lose my memory all the time too. And, and it try, they try to diminish what I'm feeling but I just need to talk about it. I'm not looking for a solution. I'm not looking for a connection. So when people call, I listen and I don't have a solution for them. Sometimes they just need to talk so that they get it out. And when they hear themselves, they create their own solution. So that's right. what I've learned to do. I've learned to listen more and not say, oh, I understand, I've been there or, we're up in age, your memory's going to go, or because of COVID, we're all feeling the same way because that diminishes how somebody feels. And that's yeah. what we're looking for. Just exactly, exactly. So Tam and Odell, you both know that I'm entrenched in health. And so I love to work out, I love to exercise. And, and, and while people don't believe it still with COVID-19, you know, I've been struggling as well to get the, to get the four, site to get up and make myself work out and walk. And so just to get out and get some air really feels good to me. And so maybe my my workouts are not to the level that they were prior to COVID, but I still make myself work out. And what I find, I think that people know that that's been my life for some time now, trying to watch what I eat and, and make sure I balance it out with working out. And um, but, but what I find is funny is that some people, because they know I'm into that life, um, as soon as they see me, they'll say, oh, Kathy, you would be really proud of me because I joined <laughs> an exercise class. Or I didn't, I wanted to eat two pieces of pie, but I only had one. Um, or like Tam did to me one time, gave me full purge. Oh, Kathy, over the weekend, I had some um, ice cream and I had a piece of pie and I had, and I'm, I'm standing there looking at her like, do you feel better? Cause she's like, I do, I really do. Cause I shared that all with you and now I feel better. It's off my chest. Um, and so it's funny that people do that 
And so for both of you, because of your, your line of work and your profession, so Tam, because you are a counselor and a clinical social worker and Odell, for you, you are a minister. Um, what, what happens to you, like similar to what I'm talking about, Tam, you know, you could be sitting and talking and, and Odell, both of you could be sitting and talking to someone and all of a sudden you recognize that the conversation has shifted into your mm. profession. Yes. And so how do you make, because you think you're sitting there like, oh, I'm relaxed, I'm here <laughs> with the girls and I'm having a good time. And then all of a sudden, or, or you know, or with good friends. And then all of a sudden someone comes and, and invade, I don't want to say invade your space, but you know what I mean? Changes, I changes yeah. the conversation to where you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I have to, yeah. you know, <laughs> sit up and listen. Cause they're trying to share something with me. So, I mean, uh, Tam, what, what do you do when that happens? Oh, so unfortunately, I am the true social worker. So all my interactions with people that I love and care for and girlfriends, I'll say nine out of 10 times become a therapy session. And they go, oh, I feel like I'm getting free therapy. And I go, well, you are. But, <laughs> um, but I think I think what people need is just validation that what they're feeling is okay and what they're going through. You know, my my biggest conversations are, and I tell all my friends this, that you are just not the only person going through something because that's what it feels like. You're by yourself and no one else feels the way I feel and no one else goes through what I feel. So I'll just validate. I'll give them some stories about someone else and then they feel good. They go, oh yeah, it's not that bad. Huh? I go, no, it could always be worse. Oh, and that's... it helps. Free counseling, uh, uh, free yeah. Counseling. So, so Kathy, I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm going to talk about your husband because <laughs> clearly I Go remember, ahead. I remember, <laughs> hope he's not there. I remember, you know, sitting on your deck, you know, at your house and where you've had guests, and not all your guests know that I'm in ministry because mm. if it's a social event people tend to watch their language if someone is the reverend in the room. So I don't wear the collar to your house and I don't always go, amen, you know, <laughs> you don't hear me say that language. I show up as Odell. And we were at your house and you had a house full of people talking and laughing and language and explicitives going on and different conversation. And Garland just comes out the blue and says, Rev, he said, having a conversation with so-and-so, can you tell us what the Bible says about such and such? And it was like the needle scratched in the room. And people looked at me like, oh, you're a reverend? Ooh, what did I say? Should I be drinking this? Did What did, what did we do? And, and I go, just be yourself. It's okay. And I just look at your husband like, okay. So now I really have to answer this question. But, you know, you, at that point, I'm transparent. I have to be who I am. I answer the question and I move on. But from that point on, I'm, there's like a, a sign on my forehead and the conversation has changed and the room is silent. Um, so that's, that's tends to what happens to us ministers when people find out we are in the room. They'll ask us a question and it changes the environment. Well, I just want to say when you're in the room, I'm still going to finish my drink. Right, well, that will right. make her feel better. Listen, that will make her feel better. Right and that leads us to the introductions of our guests. Yes. So this evening uh, we have Reverend Garland Higgins and Laura McLean Williams. So we want to welcome our guest here. Welcome, ladies. Hi. Welcome, Garland and Laura. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. So, Odell, okay. you're going to tell us a little bit about each of our guests. 
yes, briefly, because I want to get started into their in their presentation this evening. Yes. So Garland um, is, I think we met in seminary school or we met at the church. We I'm met, not sure. We met at Bethel AME Church. I think it was like 1998. Uh, and we've been kindred sisters ever since. Ever since. We were at Harvard Seminary together, mm -hmm. taking classes and so forth. And and Kathy, you'll learn a lot more about Garland because she's in the Interruptions book. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That's yes. awesome. So Garland uh, and I were both in seminary school, and she tried to convince me to go to Yale. But I was convinced that I was not ready to be a reverend, but wanted mm -hmm. to be the best Sunday school teacher that I could be. <laughs> uh, and remember um, that we've been kindred sisters ever yes. since. And Laura, I just met last week. Uh, I was at her sister's house. Laura's sister, Alita, was the one that was coaching me on how to produce interruptions. Uh -huh. She is um, in the arts and we've been meeting for weeks and weeks and months on end. She's coaching me behind the scenes in terms of what to do. We were talking about this podcast and she said, oh, you've got to talk to my sister. <laughs> and I called Laura and here she is. Well, Laura and Garland, I just want to share with you that we, Odell and I have been uh, producing these podcasts since about May. And it started out uh, where we were talking about the issues. It really, it really started out just because we were having a conversation about life and then talking, discussing what happens when, you know, when we, when we were both growing up, you know, there was an expectation. You went to school, you grad, you went to college, you graduated, you got married, you had 2.5 children and you had the white picket fence in the front of the house and the dog or the cat or both. Mm -hmm. And so then we talked about what happens when that doesn't happen. We don't have those type of discussions and that throws people off because there was a plan. And what happens when our plan does not work out? And that's when we started transitioning into conversations about trauma. And we've been having numerous podcasts with those discussions. But we also recognize at some point we had to move from discussions about trauma into actions about making how do we make ourselves feel better? We always will tout that if someone really has a concern that they have mental health condition or that they are feeling depression to please seek the counsel of a professional. But in the meantime, we know that there's also things that we can do to try and help ourselves move forward. And so Garland, I know that Odell um, shared with me a little bit about what you do now. And so I'd love to hear about the things that you're doing and really what made you decide, decide to get into those type of professions. Mm. Wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> been in ministry for the past 21 years. Uh, I've been working full-time in ministry for the last eight years here in Georgia. Um, but since I've been in ministry full-time, I've uh, been noticing uh, different things about, because I'm really focused on women's ministry because I'm a domestic violence survivor. So I've done a lot of uh, ministry around that. Mm. My biggest deal in ministry is empowering women. I think that is major. So many women come to me regularly, often just talking about their, you know, day-to-day things about life and what's going on or the interruptions that they have experienced and um, trying to overcome those obstacles. So in three years ago, I started selling paparazzi jewelry and initially it was for extra income. And that turned into um, noticing the smile on the person's face when they found that piece of jewelry that they really like. Now, mind you, this is $5 jewelry. Mm -hmm. It's nothing, it, it, you know, to write home about. We're not talking about Tiffany's in the, in the mall or anything like that. It's $5 jewelry. And it's affordable no matter what your income is. 
And that's why I was excited about selling this type of jewelry. And since then, I have been um, taking a certain amount of jewelry each year that I write off on my taxes because that is the jewelry that I'm going to give away. I may wrap it up uh, really nice and put a card in there um, or something thinking of you and just give it to someone. Mm -hmm. or, um, I may package a, a bunch of them up and take it to the women's shelter or the uh, shelter where for battered women or something like that to help them feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, some of the women in shelters have probably lost everything, clothing, ID. Some of them have been displaced from their families, but still trying to fit in, still trying to have a regular everyday life. So they're looking for employment. So this is a way of, in, in, in addition to them finding something to wear to go on an interview, they also can wear the proper jewelry with their outfit. It, it, you know, we can put on a dress, but the dress may not say much until we put on that necklace that just makes it go wild, makes it pop. There you go. There I you think go. that every woman should have that feeling, no, whether they are in living in poverty in a shelter or whether they are living in a million dollar home. Every single woman should feel the same way every day when they are getting dressed. So the name of my business is Utopian Bijou. Utopian means a perfect world and Bijou is French for jewelry. So I thought that in a perfect world, every single woman, no matter socioeconomic status, she has the perfect piece of jewelry to go with everything in her closet. Mm -hmm. Now you also as it looks like. Now you also do makeup as well? Yes. I also sell uh, Mary Kay Cosmetics. I started doing that. Oh. I just thought that it made sense to go with the jewelry because if we're getting dressed up, we got the outfit, we have the jewelry. Now we're going to need some skincare, some makeup, some lipstick, some lip gloss, something to give us a little bit of co color and bring us to life. And again, everyone should have the opportunity to have access to these things, no, whether they can afford them or not. So again, I, have taken, I take a portion of my inventory and I know that is what I'm going to write off at the end of the year. And I've, because it's Christmas, I've been wrapping things up in um, gift wrapping and giving it away, whether it's to the woman in, at the cashier in CVS or if I'm walking through Walmart, or I may decide I'm going to package up a bunch of these and take them again to the shelters. And recently I did what's called chemo care packages. Mary Kay has a hydrating lotion and a satin lip set. When you're getting chemo, your skin gets very dry. So I took about 30 of those packages to a nearby cancer center and dropped them off for their patients. Um, Garland, what's been the feedback that women are giving you when they're in a shelter and, you know, their main concern, they're not thinking jewelry, they're thinking clothes. And then right. you show up and you have jewelry. Can you show us some of the jewelry that you're um, donating? I so can. What's, I can. The, what's the feedback that the women give you? Well, it's, it's a, it's, it varies from person to person. It could be, um, I don't understand why, why you're giving this to me. Um, um, why, why are you doing this for me? Or you have someone who is just so excited, over the top, thanking me because someone is giving them something for free. They don't mm -hmm. have to do anything to get it. They don't have to have any money. It's just somebody who cares and wants to give them something for free. So you can get one extreme or the other. And they're very thankful once they realize this is for you. You know, no, no specific reason other than I care and I want you to feel good. So uh, this is one of the um, necklaces. Oh, beautiful. Um, so I try to uh, pull out different pieces um, 
you know, because everything that makes a statement. Yes. And it, some things appeal to one person, but not the other. So uh, I just try to pull out different ones um, so you can see uh, what I have to offer. It can be for work or it could be for getting dressed up to go out to dinner. But um, whatever the jewelry is, it is to make you feel good about yourself. So I take this jewelry. It's $5 jewelry. <laughs> $5 jewelry. And that's what I love about it as well, because it doesn't look like it's $5. And so women can put this on and feel good about themselves, no matter what the circumstances are in their life right now at this moment. I am wearing the same jewelry as the woman who has, uh, like Kathy said earlier, the house and the husband and the, the two points <laughs> and the dog and the picket fence. I may be in a shelter, but I'm wearing the same piece of jewelry that that young woman is wearing. Right. Now, Garland, I've met a lot of women who sell paparazzi. And at one point I used to sell Mary Kay and I wasn't in ministry then. Well, didn't know I was in ministry then. Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to not just let this be a, a supplemental income for you, but turn it into a ministry? Because that's profound. What does it do for you? Uh, what, well, when I first went into it, 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 initially it really was just to make extra income. But then it was just something hit me one day. It's not about you. I didn't tell you to do this for you. Mm. It's for the people that you are around, the people that you come in contact with, the people that you impact and influence on a regular basis. This is who that who this is for. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh wow. So, you know, just started trying to be creative with how to put it out there so mm -hmm. that when it is a ministry and people would be receptive of it. And now I have other people who are um, asking, well, can I help you? Can I give you some creative ideas? They, they call me with other mm -hmm. ideas that I may not have thought of on what I can do to give back to the community. So um, on top of that, people have decided to tap into the business opportunity for the same reason, because they mm -hmm. want to give their community. Now, Garland, I don't want to skip over what you initially said was that you uh, were a victim of domestic violence. And so I would challenge and change that around to say that you are a survivor of domestic violence. Yes. And so did you find that this transition into the type of ministry that you're doing now was something that made you feel good? Um, or that something that if someone shared with you at that time, that would have helped you a little bit more. Is that one of the reasons why you do that now? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think about a lot of uh, things that I thought about that I wanted when I was um, depressed, um, feeling sad, um, angry about the interruptions that I had in my life and feeling like I was the only one. And so I felt like nobody understands or um, just feeling like I'm walking this road all by myself. Mm -hmm. I just wanted a pick-me-up. It, it could be very simple. It wasn't much, but just somebody to smile at me, um, just someone to listen, as Odell was saying earlier. Everybody had all kinds of advice about what I should do but nobody was listening to me. People had um, all kinds of ideas about what they thought I needed, but they never asked me what I needed. So mm -hmm. just thought that this is a way to um, give back, to empower, inspire um, other women because in the most difficult time in my life, I felt like that was the least that I could get was some inspiration, mm -hmm. but I did not get that from, you know, very few people right. I got from Odell and I got it from you others. But other than that, it was, people were very judgmental 
How can you be in ministry and you're divorcing your husband? Um, what did you do to make him so angry? All of these things to make me feel worse than I already was. Hey, I'm the victim here. So mm -hmm. why are you making me feel worse? And I'm already in a bad situation. So I, I just think that in when people are down on their luck, they should be uplifted. They should mm -hmm. be encouraged. We should be building them up and making them feel better. So this is my way of doing that. This is awesome. Yeah. Kathy, you just want to say something? I, I was going to ask Tam that, Tam, have you found that too, that uh, you are working with women and, and men, for instance, because I think we make the assumption that um, that domestic violence is only per perpetrated onto women. And there are actually men that go through that as well. Mm -hmm. But do you find that it is the person that could be the... Uh, unstereotypical person that we would not expect that really has the more difficult time dealing with it. So the middle-class wife or the one that's doing really well uh, in the community or at a job that has a difficult time in transition. And are these the type of things that you suggest for them to do something for themselves? Um, definitely, you know, we, we can't, look at someone and tell what they're going through. We only we only hear their story if they're willing to share it. And mm -hmm. I try to um, tell people all the time, if you think about um, people who've gone through really traumatic experiences, one of the healing powers is to tell your story because it will help someone else. And not telling your story, but, you know, helping the next person. We're supposed to reach out. Um, there's a saying in therapy and in um, rehab that says, how dare you get better and not reach back and help the next person come through it. Wow. And, and if you have something to offer, that's your job. So yeah, definitely. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Garland, when you're speaking and I hear that energy coming through your voice about what you do in your ministry, I don't even remember the name of the song, but there was a, a song and, and the woman is going through something like a, a, a traumatic breakup with someone and her girlfriends are calling and saying, you're going out with us tonight. You're going to put your fake up on and you're going to get dressed and you're going to come out and hang hang out with us. And that it's just someone reaching out to that person. And that sounds like what you are doing, which is just phenomenal that you are reaching back and saying, no, it's not okay to stay where you are. You have to help yourself feel better. Is that what you feel like you're doing? Yes. Yes. Just so, to, to see the smile on that person's face encourages me. It makes me smile. It makes me feel good on the inside when I see what this $5 piece of jewelry can do for a, a woman. Just putting a smile on her face, there's no price on that. Mm. Um, and she may not have smiled in a very long time. So Garland, if someone wanted to, if someone wanted to make a donation, and purchase a, a package or something so that you're not always doing the write-off because people are like they're not really we're not really spending a whole lot of money this christmas we're not buying a lot of gifts but we're still taking care of ourselves but wanted to find a way to give how can someone send you ten dollars so that you can continue to expand your ministry and help more women in the cancer center or at the homeless shelter uh, well, they can, they can do cash app. They can write a check. You have a, a, a website that we should, we should have I on do, our page as well. I do have a website, uh, www.utopianbijou.com. That is where you can actually go and purchase jewelry. Um, if you want to purchase it and donate for me to be able to bring to the shelters. Um, but I, there, those are, no one have no one's asked me this question. So, <laughs> so you weren't ready, right? But well, we will make sure that that <laughs> yeah. is in <laughs> that's posted. Yep. Yeah, okay. that's posted yes. when our.
our when our podcast is posted. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Definitely. Thank you all for having me. This was so exciting. Hey, Kev, can you put um, It's Garland's face back on for a second? So I'm going to show you um, what I've learned to really make her smile. If you can just put her on. Okay, watch her face when I say Parliament. Oh, <laughs> oh you have to tell them the story. <laughs> you have to uh, tell them. So I'd say being in ministry, we know our songs, we know our hymns, but when we need a pick-me-up, Garland and I drove around one Saturday back in the day trying to find Parliament CDs, and we <laughs> found them and played them all day and in front of a fire in the summer. That is and funny. made ourselves laugh and smile all day but listening to Parliament Funkadelic. That. Yes, that. we had that. so much fun that day, and I we're trying to go to the movies. And you know, that was the time you would look through the newspaper to find the start time of the movie. So Odell looked in the newspaper. We drive over to the theater, and the newspaper had the wrong start time. Oh, so, so we were like an hour late for the movie. <laughs> so we rode around the rest of the day looking for the Parliament, and we had a great time. We found it. Thank you. That's Thank awesome. you, Garland. And we're going to make sure we have your information on our site so people can contact you and make donations as well. But Odell, that so was much. a perfect, perfect segue into introducing Laura. Yes. Uh, Laura, yes. Uh, Odell called me and said, I have a surprise for you. And, you know, I'm thinking diamonds and fur. Um, and then she <laughs> said, <laughs> and then she shared with me what you do. Um, and so I have an autistic adult daughter who is 28. And so she shared with me, and I don't want to take away from what you're going to share about what you do, but I was saying I am just amazed. And, and this to me is better than any, I'm not going to tell my husband this, but for Adele, I'm not going to tell him it's better than diamonds and first, but, um, but this to me is just amazing what you do. So can you share, share with us Tell, tell our audience what exactly you do in music. So we are transitioning into music. Okay, yes. What I do is I work at a school with children with special needs, autism. And I, I started out just by being like a teaching assistant years ago. And uh, then I left and one of the supervisors said, why don't you come back and do music? Because you, you, we lost our, our, our music teacher and you're just great. And you got the psych background, just come on. So I said, okay. <laughs> and I went and I started doing music and I found the music, it just didn't fit the autistic kids. You know, I mean, it was either too fast, too slow, or it, the description of the songs weren't well and I wasn't getting anywhere with them. So that's when I just decided to start writing my own songs to, um, for them that fit into their, you know, their teaching programs and their theory, behavior theories. And I, I just started writing songs. I was also tired of songs that didn't have enough meaning for them. You know, okay. we need some meaning. And I was really loving it when you guys were talking because the first CD that I did was, um, how are you can't see it here? Yeah. It's how are you feeling? And mm. what I did, was um, I just started going over emotions because that's real difficult for, for this population, for them to express it. Just like for a child, is, you know, they get an earache in there. They don't, they touch their ear and they'll cry, but they'll never tell you they have an earache. You know, they're never going to tell you they're sad or nervous. So uh, what I spent most of my time doing with this population, with my students, is trying to get them in touch with those feelings, those emotions, those social skills that they have a difficult time understanding. So everything I write is based on those things, but I want to have fun doing it. So <laughs> how did you know, how did you know that you were reaching them? Like what made you decide that, what made you decide to do it that way that I have to share yeah. with them on their feelings? What, what triggered that? What triggered it was when, um, when I first started writing the songs, the, it was actually the opposite. I would sing in a song. When I'm feeling blue, sad and all. 
my eyes real tight Think of my favorite place Then I, then I feel much better I would sing that song and I would have a few of the students laugh and that's when I noticed that they didn't understand what these emotions were. So okay. what I did was, like you said, it's, it's repetition. It's repetitive for people with special needs a lot of time. They get it. It just takes a longer time for it to come in sometimes. So I would sing these songs every day. And um, what I was finding, first of all, they liked the songs and that some of them were starting to get these emotions. So I would use flashcards, I would use faces, I would have them choose one of the faces. Okay, which one are we gonna do? Are we gonna do the happy song, the mad song? And after each song, they're very short. What I would do is we would go over it. I'll give you another example of a mad song. We express with faces, I'm real crazy. So this is how this stuff works. <laughs> I'm mad today. I'm mad today, cause things just are not going my way. No one is listening to me. That's not the way it should be. That's why I'm feeling so mad today. <laughs> so I, and after I sing a mad song. <laughs> That's gonna be my theme song, it man. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of friends. That's the theme song. <laughs> But then when I would say, when you're mad, what do you do with your hands? What do you do with your, you keep your hands safe. You keep your teachers safe. You And then, you know, we would go back and forth. And I would sing these songs every day when they came into the music room. These, these you know, these particular songs, we went over this, we went over emotions. And what we would do, um, if I caught someone feeling mad, I would start singing, I'm mad today. What do you do with your hands? You know, I just would refer back. And what I did see, the kids started saying, I'm mad when they were mad. I started noticing that they were using and they were very appropriate with what the songs were. I'm sad. I had one student that would laugh every time I expressed sad. I showed him a little girl on a bike that fell over. He laughed. The day he left. He was leaving because he, you know, 21, he was old enough to leave. And I said, how are you feeling? And he got up and he pulled the sad card off the wall. Oh. Those are the things that make my day and make my life worth living right there. You know, it was just amazing because for three years, he just did not understand that emotion. He finally figured it out. So I, I started seeing things like that, that made me just keep going. Um, so I said, this is a good opportunity for me to start teaching some social skills. <laughs> That's right. So, That's right. Now you keep you keep referring to what do you do with your hands? What do you, what's the expectation? What are you expecting them to say or do? Okay, we relax. So you're gonna keep okay. your hands down, and it's it's a script. You know, I actually have it written down, and it's really a script. I started doing some things, um, some workshops with uh, preschool. Um, it's difficult because I work nine to five, but I, I was able to get out a few times with some preschool and I would show them basically the script. So you would sing a song and um, I feel what makes you happy. Uh, what do you do with your hands when you're mad? You keep your hands down. You keep people safe when we're mad. The nervous, I'm feeling nervous, you know, yes. take a deep breath, you know, butterflies are dancing in my stomach. <laughs> My teeth are clenched real tight Well, I'm feeling nervous, scared, scared So, you know, and then when that nervous comes and you see him, are you feeling nervous? That's right. So it's it's always a reference. And, yes. and throughout the whole day, I'll hear staff, you know, butterflies are there. I'm mad, to, you know, they're, <laughs> they're singing <laughs> all around the school. <laughs> Well, you're going to hear it when you see uh, Odell and I, too. We're going to be, oh, <laughs> be singing these songs. And, <laughs> and Tam's going to go to work singing this to her patients tomorrow. That's it. are really catchy, so be careful. You will find yourself singing. We will get you the, the CD, Tam. But, you know, Laura, I say that to you mm -hmm. um, because when hands are really important, 
um, and noticing what autistic children do with their hands. Right. Initially, while you would never know now by meeting her, um, my daughter didn't speak until she was four. Okay. I mean, she Typical. talks up a storm now, but mm -hmm. she just oh. did not speak until she was four. But what she did do was use her hands a lot. And so, you know, I, there's no books really on, on what children uh, suffer with autism go through, right? And then if there were, who would have time to read them? Exactly. And so um, she would use her hands a lot to get to know people and she would touch their face or touch mm -hmm. their hands. And originally, I think we went to an event and she just walked up to this man who um, was uh, like a chairperson of the program that she was in. And she walked up to him with, and it was, she was too quick. And she started like touching his beard and his face. And I was mortified. And I said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And he said, no, it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's how she's getting to know me. Absolutely. Uh, Right. She cannot speak to me. She's not able to speak yet. And so that's how she, her vibes, my vibes are getting to her through the touch of her hands. And so even now she has that sense of discernment with people that either she likes you or she doesn't. And so if she doesn't like you, that's not a good thing because she very rarely doesn't like people. And so you have to be really cautious of that. But her hands are very active in her conversations and what she does, trying to, and I think it is that she has to learn where to place her hands for that particular emotion that she's feeling. Right. So that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she might just have that extra sensory where she just needs it. This is where she understands. It's like a sensory input that she has. So, you know, if, if, if she likes putting things in her hands, that would be good too, because it's just, that's her, her sensory is, is overloaded a little bit probably. And so this right. is how she's expressing herself. She has to touch things. She's got to hold things in order to understand them. It doesn't come through her eyesight. It comes through her body. So yeah. that, that's probably another thing that, that does it. Now, Tim, have you worked with autistic populations and not necessarily autistic populations that don't understand that they're autistic, but maybe there are functioning autistic adults that are going through some type of trauma. Have you worked with that population? Yes, we do. We, do, we get patients who are going through depression and anxiety, but they also have um, some form of autism. Um, they struggle, you know, I have a quick story of just how, um, you know, they struggle. I, I work in a group therapy um, program and someone in the group said, it was a female who said, oh, I f I'm feeling so good. I wish I could take a picture of me feeling good today because I haven't felt this good in such a long time. Come to find um. out later, the the male patient who is autistic had took a picture of her while in group, which is totally against the rules. They're not supposed to use the phone, not supposed to use, of course, cameras. And he showed her picture later. And of course, you know, he was concrete. He was, I, I got you the picture. I got you the picture. But of course, you know, it it it, it blew up and it was regulations Aww. and yeah. but yeah and and those kind of things we have to really look at as you know we have to everyone is different in the group and you know having conversations with her about him and it wasn't supposed to be harmful but they are concrete he wanted to give her the picture. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so Laura, do you um have you created songs for the COVID experience for Yes, I have. I've created a song, Wear Your Mask. <laughs> oh, can we hear it? I want to hear that one. You know what? Yes, hear it because I'm gonna walk around the community and, and sing so, it and remind people. I can't I, I wish I could sing. I wish I could sing it. Be at, because of COVID, 
I'm actually in my basement and this is where I do my classes. So I I just write the songs and I'm writing things out all quick. I don't even know the song. All I okay. know is you you have to wear a mask. And then for the little guys, I did um I did a song. This is uh Wheels on the Bus. I just took a regular song and say the mommy's on the bus, say wear your mask. Oh you know and i just and and then what i did was i had everyone put their mask on for five minutes because with a lot of the younger guys it's hard for them yeah. to wear the mask so i everybody gets your mask and for sure enough for four or five minutes they'll wear the mask so it's it's, it's small baby steps but they're um i will get it for you if you want Thank it but you. it's it's a big to do song it's like four of us from work and we all have our mask on and we're singing a song, so. <laughs> now, Laura, you mentioned that you have music that people can purchase. Yes, I do, but I have to be honest. Right now, I had the music on um, cdbaby.com, which crashed during okay. um, COVID, I guess. So what they did was they put the music on other sites. So, long story, So, but I do, Personally, I have some here, and I, I do have a small website on um, on Facebook under okay. Ladybug Melodies. All right, and we'll make sure we post it on our page. Okay, and I also wrote a book, and this oh. is perfect for now. It's called Be Patient and Wait, and uh, it's a little a story about a little boy named Mikey who was having a difficult time waiting. He wanted to go outside. It was raining. He wanted to play on a computer. His sister was doing her homework. He wanted to eat dinner. Mom was still cooking. So it's, <laughs> he had oh. a patient. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Thank you Went. so much. Yes. This, this made me smile. So thank oh, you. <laughs> what Odell and I try to expose is that a life interruption can sometimes be traumatic or just an interruption in our lives that can temporarily or permanently affect our perspective on life. As you hear throughout our podcast, we advocate for seeking the services of professionals in the mental health and medical field. We will continue to discuss the impact of trauma, but we also know there's a time when we need to move from conversation to action. And so today's podcast was an example of the second um, podcast that we are doing in this series where you can help yourself feel special. So Garland was uh, wonderful to know that the right foundation and you match that with the perfect lipstick and eyeshadow and then you put on that special necklace and those earrings and you just turn into a different person. And so that ministry is something that we all need to help ourselves do and accept that help from other people as well. And Laura, years ago, uh, when Odell shared what you do, years I thought about years ago, I had heard um, a singer that was, uh, when, he, when they spoke, they spoke in a British accent. Okay. Um, but when they sang, the accent wasn't there. And so being the type of person I am, of course, I had to do the research. Well, what happened to their accent? And, and what I learned was that the, besides the rhythm and the melody and the way in which songs are a flow, that the English language is so ease, easy because we speak the same way that we write and most of our words sound the way that we write them. And so it relaxes a person when they sing and then the accent tends to flow away. And so that what it shared with me is that when you are singing your songs, it tends to make a person be at ease so that that person with autism is able to share now how they really feel, that they're able to notice where to put their hands and recognize that they need to feel um, relaxed and that they trust you and, are, and trust being in your presence. And so those type of songs are not only something that are special to them, but to the parents that are working uh, or having a child or an adult child with autism. And so I thank you for the ministry that you bring to so many. And, and then Tam, as always, uh, you are our, our counseling guru and just know um, and always look fly. And so um, 
And so we thank you always for bringing your gift to us and for our listeners, as Odell said, we ask you to please um, share our messages with other people because yeah. someone that they know may need to hear this. But I want Odell to share what I have asked Santa for this year. What did I ask Santa for this year, Odell? So this year, uh, my co-hosts have asked for 500 subscribers to our YouTube page. We have 140, so I'm not trying to do the math. I would just try to get to 500. So <laughs> please, ladies, we ask that you share this site on your post. Ask your friends to subscribe. So click on the bottom that says subscribe or the top, depending on where you're looking at us. <laughs> and subscribe to our page and share our YouTubes with your friends and others because we just we enjoy what we're doing and um this is what we're trying to do for the holidays next week is uh three is our last series for the for um pursuit of happiness and i think laura or no tam you said it is writing your story so we're going to have someone that's going to talk to us about journaling how to write and tell your story and we're going to have aromatherapy for oils so those are our next two guests so please happy holidays everyone thank you for listening to interruptions and i'm trying to give my girl kathy her christmas gift so That's 500 right. subscribers 500. <laughs> all right thank you have a happy holidays everyone thank you for listening okay. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Until next week. <laughs>